Chapter twenty two, part one of a history of American Christianity by Leonard Wolsey Bacon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Chapter twenty two, part one Tendencies toward a manifestation of the unity of the American Church. The three centuries of history which we have passed under rapid review comprise a series of political events of the highest importance to mankind we have seen from our side point of view the planting along the western coast of the atlantic ocean without mutual concert or common direction of many independent germs of civilization so many of these as survived the perils of infancy we have seen growing to a lusty youth and becoming drawn to each other by ties of common interest and mutual fellowship releasing themselves from colonial dependence on a transatlantic power we find these several communities now grown to be states becoming conscious through common perils victories and hopes of national unity in life and ordaining institutes of national government binding upon all the strong vitality of the new nation is proved by its assimilation to itself an immense mass of immigrants from all parts of europe and by expanding itself without essential change over the area of a continent it triumphs again and again and at last in a struggle that shakes the world over passions and interests that threaten schism in the body politic and gives good reason to its friends to boast the solid unity of the republic as the strongest existing fact in the political world the very great aggrandizement of the nation has been an affair of the last sixty years but already it has recorded itself throughout the vast expanse of the continent in monuments of architecture and engineering worthy of the national strength the ecclesiastical history which has been recounted in this volume covering the same territory in the same period of time runs with equal pace in many respects parallel with the political history but in one important respect with a wide divergence as with civilization so with christianity the germs of it derived from different regions of christendom were planted without concert of purpose and often with distinct cross-purposes in different seed plots along the atlantic seaboard varying in polity in forms of dogmatic statement and even in language the diverse growths were made through wonders of spiritual influence and through external stress of trial to feel their unity in the one faith the course of a common experience tended to establish a predominant type of religious life the influence of which has been everywhere felt even when it has not been consented to the vital strength of the american church as of the american nation has been subjected to the tests of the importation of enormous masses of more or less uncongenial population and has shown an amazing power of digestion and assimilation its resources have been taxed by the providential imposition of burdens of duty and responsibility such in magnitude and weight as never since the early preaching of the gospel have pressed upon any single generation of the church within the space of a single lifetime at an expenditure of toil and treasure which it is idle to attempt to compute the wide and desolate wilderness as far as civilization has invaded it has been occupied by the church with churches schools colleges and seminaries of theology with pastors evangelists and teachers and in one way or another has been constrained to confess itself christian the continent which so short a time ago had been compassionately looked upon from across the sea as missionary ground has become a principal base of supplies and a recruiting ground for men and women for missionary operations in ancient lands of heathenism and of a decayed christianity so much for the parallel the divergence is not less impressive in contrast with the solid political unity into which the various and incongruous elements have settled themselves the unity of the christian church is manifested by oneness neither of jurisdiction nor of confederation nor even by diplomatic recognition and correspondence 
out of the total population of the united states amounting according to the census of eighteen ninety to sixty two million six hundred twenty two thousand souls the fifty seven million accounted as christians including twenty million communicant church members are gathered into one hundred sixty five thousand two hundred ninety seven congregations assembling in one hundred forty two thousand church edifices containing forty three million sittings and valued together with other church property at six hundred seventy million dollars and are served in the ministry of the gospel by more than one hundred eleven thousand ministers but this great force is divided among one hundred forty three mutual independent sects larger and smaller among these sects is recognized no controlling and no coordinating authority neither is there any common leadership neither is there any system of mutual counsel and concert the mutual relations of the sects are sometimes those of respect and goodwill sometimes of sharp competition and jealousy sometimes of eager and conscientious hostility all have one and the same unselfish and religious aim to honor god in serving their fellow men and each one in honestly seeking this supreme aim is affected by corporate interests sympathies and antipathies this situation is too characteristic of america and too distinctly connected with the whole course of the antecedent history not to be brought out with emphasis in this concluding chapter in other lands the church is maintained through the power of the civil government under the exclusive control of a single organization in which the element of popular influence may be wholly wanting or may be present, as in many of the reformed polities, in no small measure. In others yet, through government influence and favor, a strong predominance is given to one organized communion, under the shadow of which dissident minorities are tolerated and protected. Under the absolute freedom and equality of the American system there is not so much as a predominance of any one of the sects. No one of them is strong and numerous, but that it is outnumbered and outweighed by the aggregate of the two next to it at present in consequence of the rush of immigration the roman catholic church is largely in advance of any single denomination besides but it is inferior in numerical strength and popular influence to the methodist and baptist combined if they were combined and there is no doubt that this comminution of the church is frankly accepted for reasons assigned not only as an inevitable drawback to the blessings of religious freedom but as a good thing in itself a weighty sentence of james madison undoubtedly expresses the prevailing sentiment among americans who contemplate the subject merely from the political side in a free government the security for civil rights must be the same as that for religious rights it consists in the one case in the multiplicity of interests and in the other in the multiplicity of sects the degree of security in both cases will depend on the number of interests and sects and no student of history can deny that there is much to justify the jealousy with which the lovers of civil liberty watch the climbing of any sect no matter how purely spiritual its constitution toward a position of command and popular influence the influence of the leaders of such a sect may be nothing more than the legitimate and well-deserved influence of men of superior wisdom and virtue but when reinforced by the weight of official religious character and backed by a majority or even a formidable minority of voters organized in a religious communion the feeling is sure to gain ground that such power is too great to be trusted to the hands of even the best of men whatever sectarian advantage such a body may achieve in the state by preponderance of number will be more than offset by the public suspicion and the watchful jealousy of rival sects and the weakening of it by division or the subordination of it by the overgrowth of a rival is sure to be regarded with general complacency it is not altogether a pleasing object of contemplation the citizen and the statesman looking with contentment on the schism of the church as averting a danger to the state it is hardly more gratifying when we find ministers of the church themselves accepting the condition of the schism as being on the whole a very good condition for the church of christ if not indeed the best possible 
it is quite unreservedly argued that the principle competition is the life of business is applicable to spiritual as well as secular concerns and the emulations reprobated by the apostle paul as works of the flesh are frankly appealed to for promoting the works of the spirit this debasing of the motive of church work is naturally attended by a debasement of the means employed the competitive church resorts to strange business devices to secure its needed revenue he that giveth is induced to give not with simplicity but with a view to incidental advantages and a distinct understanding is maintained between the right hand and the left the extent and variety of this influence on church life in america afford no occasion for pride but the mention of them could not rightly be omitted it remains for the future to decide whether they must needs continue as an inevitable attendant on the voluntary system sectarian divisions tend strongly to perpetuate themselves the starting of schism is easy and quick the healing of it is a matter of long diplomatic negotiations in a very short time the division of the church with its necessary relations to property and to the employment of officials becomes a vested interest provision for large expenditure unnecessary or even detrimental to the general interests of the kingdom of christ which had been instituted in the first place at heavy cost to the many is not to be discontinued without more serious loss to influential individuals those who would set themselves about the healing of a schism must reckon upon personal and property interests to be conciliated this least amiable characteristic of the growth of the christian church in america is not without its compensations the very fact of the existence in the presence of one another of these multitudinous rival sects all equal before the law tends in the long run under the influence of the holy spirit of peace to a large and comprehensive fellowship the widely prevalent acceptance of existing conditions as probably permanent even if not quite normal softens the mutual reproaches of rival parties the presumption is of course implied if not inserted in the existence of any christian sect that it is holding the absolute right and truth or at least more nearly that than the other sects and the inference to a religious mind is that the right and the true must in the long run prevail but it is only with a high act of faith and not as a matter of reasonable probability that any sect in america can venture to indulge itself in the expectation of a supremacy or even a predominance in american christendom the strongest in numbers and influence in prestige however tempted to assert for itself exclusive or superior rights is compelled to look about itself and find itself overwhelmingly outnumbered and outdone by a divided communion and yet a communion of those whom christ is not ashamed to call his brethren and just in proportion as it has the spirit of christ it is constrained in its heart to treat them as brethren and to feel toward them as brethren its protest against what it regards as their errors and defects is nowise weakened by the most unreserved manifestations of respect and goodwill as toward fellow christians thus it comes to pass that the observant traveller from other countries seeking the distinctive traits of american social life notes a kindlier feeling between all denominations roman catholics included a greater readiness to work together for common charitable aims than between catholics and protestants in france or germany or between anglicans and nonconformists in england there are many indications in the recent history of the american church pointing forward toward some higher manifestation of the true unity of the church than is to be found in occasional or even habitual expressions of mutual goodwill passing to and fro among sharply competing and often antagonist sects instead of easy-going and playful felicitations on the multitude of sects as contributing to the total effectiveness of the church such as used to be common enough on anniversary platforms we hear in one form and another the acknowledgment that the divided and subdivided state of american christendom is not right but wrong whose is the wrong need not be decided certainly it does not wholly belong to the men of this generation or of this country we are heirs of the schisms of other lands and ages and have added to them schisms of our own making the matter begins to be taken soberly and seriously the tender entreaty of the apostle paul not to suffer ourselves to be split up into sects begins to get a hearing in this conscience 
the nisus toward a more manifest union among christian believers has long been growing more and more distinctly visible and is at the present day one of the most conspicuous signs of the times already in the early history we have observed a tendency toward the healing in america of differences imported from over the sea such was the commingling of separatist and puritan in new england the temporary alliance of the congregationalist and presbyterian to avert the imposition of a state hierarchy the combination of quaker and roman catholic to defeat a project of religious oppression in maryland the drawing together of lutheran and reformed germans for common worship under the saintly influence of the moravian zinzendorf and the plan of the union by which new englander and scotch irishmen were to labor in common for the evangelization of the new settlements these were sporadic instances of a tendency that was by and by to become happily epidemic a more important instance of the same tendency was the organization of societies for charitable work which should unite the gifts and personal labors of the christians of the whole continent the chief period of these organizations extended from eighteen ten the date of the beginning of the american board of commissioners for foreign missions to eighteen twenty six when the american home missionary society was founded the catholic basis on which they were established was dictated partly by the conscious weakness of the several sects as they drew near to undertakings formidable even to their united forces and partly by the glow of fraternal affection and the sense of a common spiritual life pervading the nation with which the church had come forth from the fervors of the second awakening the societies representing the common faith and charity of the whole church as distinguished from the peculiarities of the several sects drew to themselves the affection and devotion of christian hearts to a degree which to those who highly valued these distinctions seemed to endanger important interests and indeed the situation was anomalous in which the sectarian divisions of the christian people were represented in the churches and their catholic unity in charitable societies it would have seemed more pauline not to say more christian to have had voluntary societies for the sectarian work and kept the churches for christian communion it is no wonder that high church champions on one side and another soon began to shout to their adherents to your tents o israel bishop hobart played not in vain upon his pastoral pipe to whistle back his sheep from straying outside of his pinfold exhorting him in their endeavors for the general advancement of religion to use only the instrumentality of their own church and a jealousy of the growing influence of a wide fellowship and charitable labors with christians of other names led to the enunciation of a like doctrine by high church presbyterians and contributed to the convulsive and passionate rending of the presbyterian church in eighteen thirty seven into nearly equal fragments so effective has been the centrifugal force that of the extensive system of societies which from the year eighteen ten onward first organized works of national beneficence by enlisting the cooperation of all evangelical christians the american bible society alone continues to represent any general and important combination from among the different denominations for all the waning of interest in the catholic basis societies the sacred discontent of the christian people with sectarian division continued to demand expression how early the aspiration for an ecumenical council of evangelical christendom became articulate that it may not be easy to discover in the year eighteen forty six the aspiration was in some measure realized in the first meeting of the evangelical alliance at london no more mistakes were made in this meeting than perhaps were necessarily incident to a first experiment in untried work almost of course the good people began with the question what good men shall we keep out for it is a curious fact in the long and interesting history of the efforts after christian union that they commonly take the form of efforts so to combine many christians as to exclude certain others in this instance beginning with the plan of including none but protestant christians they proceeded at once to frame a platform that should bar out that great number of the best and holiest men in england who are found among the quakers thus making up designedly and with their eyes open a schismatic unity a unity composed of one part of god's elect to the exclusion of another and this in a grand effort after the very unity of the body of christ 
but in spite of this and other like mistakes or rather because of them for it is through its mistakes that the church is to learn the right way the early and unsuccessful beginnings of the evangelical alliance marked a stage in the slow progress toward a manifestation of the sons of god by their love toward each other and toward the common lord it is in large part the eager appetency for some manifestation of interconfessional fellowship that has hastened the acceptance of such organizations as the young men's christian association and the young people's society of christian endeavor just as on the other hand it is the conscientious fear on the part of watchful guardians of sectarian interests that habitual fellowship across the boundary lines of denominations may weaken the allegiance to the sect which has induced the many attempts at substituting associations constituted on a narrower basis but the form of organization which most comprehensively illustrates the unity of the church that is that charity organization which has grown to be a necessity to the social life of cities and considerable towns furnishing a central office of mutual correspondence and coordination to all churches and societies and persons engaged in the christian work of relieving poverty and distress this central bureau of charitable cooperation is not the less a center of catholic fellowship for the fact that it does not shut its door against societies not distinctively christian like masonic fraternities or even against societies distinctively non-christian like hebrew synagogues and societies of ethical culture we are coming to discover that the essence of christian fellowship does not consist in keeping people out neither so long as the apostolic rubric of christian worship remains unaltered is it to be denied that the fellowship thus provided for is a fellowship in one of the sacraments of christian service a notable advance in the true catholicity of communion is reported from among the churches and scattered missions in maine hitherto in the various movements of christian union it was common to attempt to disarm the suspicions of zealous sectarians by urgent disclaimers of any intent or tendency to infringe on the rights or interests of the several sects or impair their claim to a paramount allegiance from their adherents the christians of maine facing tasks of evangelization more than sufficient to occupy all their resources even when well economized and squandering nothing on needless divisions and competitions have attained to the high grace of saying that sectarian interests must and shall be sacrificed when the paramount interests of the kingdom of christ require it when this attainment is reached by other souls and many other the conspicuous shame and scandal of american christianity will begin to be abated End of chapter twenty two part one